Stat Media Group, delivering logistics news since 1986. This is Cargo Masterminds from Stat Media Group. It's Monday and it's time to catch up with our new Cargo Mastermind. Hello and welcome to Cargo Masterminds. My name is Reggie John. The Hong Kong headquartered Cathay Pacific Cargo had its origins as a small regional freight operator in 1946. 75 years later, Cathay Pacific has drawn to become one of the world's leading international cargo carriers operating from the world's busiest air cargo hub. Cathay Pacific's cargo business accounts for around 25% of its annual revenues. Cathay Pacific was also one of the global carriers to have its operations severely impacted very early on in the pandemic. More than 20 months later, the cargo business is getting stronger and stronger for Cathay, but the slow return of the belly capacity on long-haul wide body is hugely impacting the volumes. My guest today is Mark Such. Regional General Manager for South Asia, Middle East and Africa at Cathay Pacific Airways. Mark joins me in this episode of Cargo Masterminds to discuss how Cathay Pacific Cargo Division managed its businesses and operations in the pandemic. Mark, welcome to Cargo Mastermind. It is such a pleasure to have you join us for Cargo Mastermind episode uh, after 20 months of uh, doing interviews and uh, meet up just behind, uh, sitting behind uh, screens. Uh, Thanks for uh, making time for us. Reggie, absolute pleasure. I'm delighted you could come and uh, do this in person. Let's start from our where we stopped our last conversation, and that was in February 2020 during the Air Cargo India conference and exhibition when coronavirus was only a problem for China and Cathay began to face its impact uh, on its mainland uh, China network and also its main hub in uh, Hong Kong. 20 months since then, uh, the world is a whole different what are some of the stories of aviation and air cargo that have left most impact on you and on Cathay Pacific? Well, Reggie, I remember the interview well in February 2020 at the cargo conference. Who would have thought 20 months later we're still, we're still talking about this? As you rightly said, at that time, uh, China was impacted, as was Hong Kong. And we were already talking at the time about cutting back some of our capacity. Uh, as you knew, we'd done that in, in India itself. Moving forward now, a lot of things have changed. I think many people think the world came to a standstill, but it hasn't. Uh, a lot of things have changed both in, in the market, but also internally. So if you take Cathay Pacific, uh, we've had huge changes. Uh, in October last year, we announced what we call a dual brand strategy. You will have remembered that we had three brands before we had Cathay Pacific, Cathay Dragon, which operated into India and Bangalore and Calcutta, and Hong Kong Express. We've now restructured to two brands, a dual brand strategy. So Cathay Pacific Airways, our main network long haul carrier, and Hong Kong Express which is our low-cost offering in Hong Kong. Um, so that's a big fundamental change in, in the whole airline. Um, and then when it comes to other aspects of, of operations, which we'll explore as we go through today, uh, obviously we've looked differently about how we carry cargo, as of many carriers you know, around the globe. So lots of changes. If we take a look at the cargo volume carried for 2020, it stands at about 1.3 million tons, uh, which is about 34% below the 2019 volume of just over 2 million tons. Uh, can you give us a sense of uh, how you will close 2021 and uh, is there a chance that you will come anywhere close to 2 million tons uh, volume carried for 2021? I'd love to tell you <laughs> 2 million will be hit. Um, in reality, I think it's going to be a challenge. Uh, where we stand in October is just over a million tons. Now, we all know that the last few months of the year um, in, in the cargo business, particularly for Asian-based carriers, 
tends to be the, the real peak. So I'm pretty confident we'll beat last year's figure. Um, certainly, if you're looking at yield, we'll beat last year's figure. We've got some you know, very impressive yield improvements year on year, about 24%, right? Which is obviously a, it's a factor of the market. We're seeing it globally. But um, if you ask me about 2 million tons, I can't, I can't say we'll, we'll make it. Um, but we're certainly going to do, we're, we're going to close out the, the year very well. And we're, we're happy with that. I have uh, the numbers, the last declared numbers for the September 2020. Let's look at the last reported cargo tonnage numbers, and that is for September, and the tonnage is about uh, 131,000 uh, tons, uh, which is the highest for a single month since yeah. the pandemic. Uh, we are still in the peak season, and what do you think is the direction of the tonnage uh, carried for the three months remaining for 2021. Well, Reggie, it, it's going to be better than that figure. As you know, uh, August and September tend to be very quiet months, actually, traditionally for cargo. Um, and the fact that we've had records in both those months um, is obviously showing a very good sign towards this, this last quarter. So I'm pretty comfortable and, and confident the last quarter is going to be very, very positive for us, uh, as it is for the entire industry, frankly. Let's concentrate on the cargo strategies uh, and how those strategies actually changed over the last 20 months since the pandemic. Uh, for you, actually, more than 20 months. I think it's almost two years uh, from belly capacity vanishing overnight uh, to making full utilization of your freighters, to repurposing some of your long-haul wide-body passenger uh, flights only for cargo operations. How quickly did you make decisions uh, and how tough was to make such decisions? Reggie, as you know, for, for Cathay, cargo's always been cool. We've got, we've got 20 dedicated freighters, which is one of the larger fleets for, for a sort of an airline like us, a, a passenger cargo combination airline. Um, but clearly that wasn't going to be enough. When, when the um, belly capacity disappeared from obviously the closure of or the, the reduction in our passenger frequencies, we needed to act fast. In 2020, I think we operated about 5,000 cargo only flights. So these are passenger flights just taking belly cargo. This year, more like 20,000 year to date, just below 20,000 year to date. And we've still got a few months to run. So look, we started fast. Um, we've had to make a few other sort of structural adjustments within the fleet. We've, um, we've had permission through our regulator to convert six aircraft now. So we've got six, seven, uh, triple seven, 300 aircraft that have had some economy seats removed. Gives you an extra 12 tons in the, in the cabin. Uh, we're deploying those mainly on, on long haul and, and regional flights uh, within Southeast Asia. Um, so look, lots, lots of changes have been made, but very, very difficult to make up for the huge reduction in belly capacity globally. As you know, pre-pandemic in a typical year, 50% of the world's air cargo was, was, was carried in belly, in belly aircraft, right? That's disappeared, but I think we've acted pretty fast, along with everyone else in the market, frankly. Um, I was, I was, you know, the beginning of this pandemic, it was really interesting to see how many, I think, airlines that I would consider to be non-core carriers of cargo, you know, suddenly had to get inventive and start using those aircraft, particularly when there was a rush of PPE around the world and medical aid. Uh, the way that people reacted was, was swift, and, and we were part of that reaction as well. So how long do you intend to fly cargo-only passenger flights? Because... Uh, the Civil Aviation Authority of the European Union has allowed uh, uh, aircraft to fly cargo-only passenger flights till the half of next year. Yeah, look, we'll be operating them so long as our belly capacity on, on passenger flights is, is, uh, is, is where it is. In reality, in September this year, we only operated 13% of our passenger capacity globally. Okay, and a lot of that's down to our business model. We're, we're mainly a predominantly long-haul international carrier. We don't have a domestic market, obviously, by the fact that Hong Kong doesn't have a, 
a domestic air operation. So, you know, so long as we're not flying our, our passenger flights, we'll need to supplement that because the demand there from our shippers and our, our partners in the boarding industry is huge and we want to help them out with that. So, yeah, we're going to continue to fly these well into next year. But what will be the determining factor that you will continue operating cargo-only passenger flights because will the yield uh, make the difference or uh, the return of the, of the passenger flights? Of course, look, yield's important and without the yields being where they are today, the economics on cargo flights is always going to be challenged. For us, I think it will be determined by how quickly we bring back our passenger capacity. And that will be determined by, I guess, a COVID recovery, um, driven by many aspects, whether it's quarantine measures in, in markets we're flying to. But I guess as passenger capacity comes on, obviously, we'll, we'll be looking at reducing some of those cargo-only planes, because by default, they'll be needed to carry our passengers, which is what they were built for and what they're designed for. At the moment, we're obviously being inventive and using them for another purpose, and they're doing great in those missions. But ideally, we'd like to have those aircraft back in the fleet operating passenger service. Mark, air freight capacity has been under severe stress for the last 20, 22 months, and it is likely to stay from all estimates that way for some more time as some predicts that it would be in the year 2022 and maybe early part of 2023. As a result, freight rates have been very volatile and they continue to remain elevated. How have you been uh, able to realign align your customers to the new market realities? I think it's, it's a global issue. It's not only happening obviously on the air side, it's happening on the ocean side, which we, we look at a, a lot. Going forward, we're, we're going to see strong demand well into next year in our sort of internal planning. And obviously, we're getting towards looking at budget for next year, we're very much thinking that it's going to be a strong market, a lot of demand out there. Supply is going to remain limited. It will be coming back as passenger services start. But we still think that the way supply chains are at the moment and the way demand is, particularly for you know sectors such as e-commerce, there's going to be strong demand going forward. So we're pretty comfortable about you know the way that the cargo market is over the next coming year. How is the, the supply-demand mismatch on account of the pandemic and on ocean freight's container shortage reduce the chances of carriers entering to long-term contracts and BS is uh, with freight forwarders. Is there a kind of readjustment of the dynamism in terms of the relationship that carriers have with their customers like freight forwarders? Yeah, look, I think it depends market by market. If you look at a market like we're sitting in in India, it's a very ad hoc market. So we haven't really entered into long-term contracts. If you go to our home market, it's very much a, a market in which shippers and, and freight forwarders have a very clear visibility on volumes going forward. And therefore, the ability to have a, a block space agreement with an airline is absolutely critical. We're obviously continuing to work along that. But as space becomes critical and a lot of other people are shifting from ocean to air you know we need to try and fulfill as many of our shippers requirements as possible often on an ad hoc basis Cathay has always had had long-term agreements and I think they'll continue in the future I think it's very important particularly when you've got very stable supply um, well you know supply chain markets where you've got forecasts that are very solid really now let's come to the another important uh topic of the pandemic is a digital transformation. I think yeah. people who have built their digital strategy well in advance, I think they managed to deal with the crisis much better. How has been the uh, the digital transformation journey and the technology adoption that happened uh, in Cathay Pacific uh, over the last 20 months? Uh, has there been a acceleration of digital adoption, technology, innovation in Cathay Pacific? Sure. We actually talked about this 20 months ago. I mean, you, you were asking us about digitization pre-pandemic, which was great foresight of you there, Reggie. Um, and, I, and I told you at the time there were a lot of stuff going on, okay, both within internal systems that we use to aid our people around the world, you know, interact with our, our shippers and our forwarders, um, as well as sort of digitization that enables smoother transit of goods from our customers. So one of the key areas we've been working on is visibility of, of track and trace. And Ultra Track, which is a new, it's a new technology we've introduced, really driven by having clear visibility on movement of vaccines. And we offer this, you know, free of charge for our vaccine movements, which have been 
obviously very significant since vaccines started to be produced. That's just one example where we're using all sorts of technologies. In this case, it's low, low emission Bluetooth technology to have clear visibility end-to-end -end that includes temperature, vibration, uh, other aspects of, of transport of goods. And we've also introduced with that um, for our customers a 24 by 7 operations control center so that our customers anytime have got full visibility on where their, their product may be and if there's something should go wrong that we can address that as soon as, as, soon as possible. Uh, we're also working with IATA. IATA won the, um, the, the, the paperless uh, transportation of, of, of goods, obviously. This is really... IATA won record. Yeah, IATA won record, absolutely. The, um, we, we've done some trials with IATA in, in, in their, I think, probably their third round now of trials with, uh, with a couple of Fordism, obviously Hong Kong Airport. But the IATA won record is really an extension of of airway bill moving further up and down and down the chain as, as it were we were as, as a carrier we're the first to reach 100% airway bill globally shows our commitment to this and, and we're really excited about these products going forward I mean for us you know we, we've I'd like to say we've had lots of time to look at digitization we've used the time well to look at it but we've been very busy developing lots of other things and, and obviously doing all the flying we're doing at the moment but I'd say we're in a really good position and um, you know we've invested we've understood that you need to invest in digitization and, and we certainly haven't held back from that okay so your product that you launched quite Quite recently, these that's the ultra track. Uh, so that's available right now at, across uh, 25 airports. It's available across 25 airports. You know, we're, we're rolling it out where we can. It does involve infrastructure within airports. Therefore, you know, there is a process of, of making sure we can get into all airports. But uh, yeah, it's 25 airports at the moment, and obviously that will just be be growing over time. Are these available also in Indian airports right now? In Indian airports, I think we're in process of actually getting it up and running. But as I said, there is technology that needs to go into the airport, and therefore. We've got to have the negotiations uh, with the right you know, airport operators in, in that regard. As we are actually talking on the tracking visibility, I think uh, we also have seen the visibility as also a, a key trend in the in the pandemic. Uh, we have seen logistic technology companies really getting funded because they are offered that tracking and tracing and visibility aspect to every shipment. Uh, again, inspired or uh, being driven by e-commerce companies like Amazon. Uh, how important... Uh, are um, the integration of uh, these technologies into things like IATA One Record. The unfortunate part is that uh, when it comes, when we talk about digitalization in the air freight industry, it actually reduces into paper airway bills into electronic airway bills. So, what has been your observation of the industry's uh, appetite for digital uh, digital transformation? Well, I mean, I guess as an end user, both of you and I, when we're buying anything, whether it's from an e-commerce platform, we understand how important it is as as someone who's clicking that button at home, wanting to know where your your goods and services are. You know, by understanding that ourselves, I think we realize how important it is to our customers as well. So for us, we've obviously put the investment in there. UltraTrack, I think, is a good one. The IATA One record, you know, it comes with lots of challenges. E-Airway bill at the beginning, if you remember back you know, many years ago, there was a lot of skepticism about it. We're now at 100%. People adapt to these technologies and they realize the benefits in time. I guess one of the challenges is that you have so many stakeholders involved Particularly when it's cross-border transaction of goods, you've got obviously customs uh, and brokers involved. Um, it becomes more complex, and it's going to take time. But I think ultimately, we all understand that we need to be we need to be in this digital space, and and we're investing heavily in the entire Internet of Things that that are going to back that up. Okay, how important are the are the emergence of digital marketplaces uh, where capacity is being made available and freight forwarders can actually buy the capacity? So capacity is being bought and sold uh, on digital marketplaces. We have seen a similar trend in the passenger side uh, uh, decades back. Now that's something that is happening in the in the freight industry. Uh, how do you view some of these digital marketplace platforms uh, and what is the level of uh, engagement that Cathay Pacific Cargo has with some of these uh, platforms? 
Sure. So most of our distribution is direct with our with our forwarding partners. Yeah, and we've worked along that, and we've digitized many of those processes with our partners. In fact, a lot of the work we're doing internally at the moment is about us interacting digitally with our partners rather than over phone or via email, so that they can get immediate you know confirmation of bookings and allotments. I think it's important to to understand that you know air cargo brings in a lot more complexity than selling a, a seat on an aircraft. On a seat on an aircraft, you've got a business, a premium economy, and a an economy seat and distribution systems are quite simple as a seat. Obviously, when it comes to cargo, there's many different commodities, there's many different dimensions, there's weights, there's a lot more restrictions, and therefore it's complicated to try and make that transaction. Now we're working a lot with particular partners to make sure that we, you know, we have that, that process digitized. As far as we're concerned, you know, distribution is, is a hugely important part of our business, and the, and the better the distribution can become. And the wider it can become, uh, the better it is for us and the better it is for our customers. Let's have a word on some of your verticals, uh, some of the specific commodities which are specialized products for Cathay Pacific. Uh, where is your focus? Uh, did some some of those verticals really did do well during the pandemic? Is there something that did not do well? And what is your outlook for the cargo coming through e-commerce, cross-border e-commerce? Well, let's start with cross-border e-commerce. I mean, I think the latest figures we've we've sort of looked at internally, and there's many studies, is that this is going to hit about $44 billion next year with an 11% growth over the next five years, right? So it's a huge it's a huge business. Uh, we've traditionally carried a lot of e-commerce. Sometimes that's been consolidated, you know, through various forwarders. And now, as I said to you earlier, we're working on, you know, digitization of, of how we can fulfill e-commerce uh, solutions in, in a much more efficient way. So e-commerce is key. But outside of that, you know, you talk about our other sort of products. Obviously, you know, we're in a pandemic, so so farmers huge, right? We're present in, in most of the big farmer production markets. Um, we've therefore um, you know taken our offering in terms of farmer, in terms of cool container solutions from just a signal offering to to many different companies now. UltraTrack is part of that to make sure that you know our customers and medical authorities are, are comfortable with the way in which we're transporting these these vital uh, drugs or vaccines. You know in pandemic times, people have, have continued to have, a, have high demand for perishable goods. Um, that's doing fantastically well. In fact, we've launched during the pandemic, we've actually launched a flight from, from Australia, Hobart in Australia, Tasmania, uh, to Hong Kong, which is obviously distributing all perishables. That's what comes out of Tasmania. And, you know, we, we looked at that for many years, you know, is, is this a viable market? And, and interestingly enough, it's become a viable market because such as lockdown in, the, in a market like Australia, that domestic flights between Tasmania and Sydney or Tasmania and Melbourne, which would then move on to you know, our freighters or to other belly capacity, has disappeared. So we saw an air bridge opportunity. We work closely with the Australian government on that. Um, so perishables is another big one. In a market like India, you know, we do a lot of specialized lift. You know, most of our freight out of here tends to be big bulky freight, right? We do a lot of automotive parts, but we also bring a lot of single big pieces. Our aircraft with nose loading, you know, our freighter aircraft, the ability to do that. And therefore, we've become a big specialist in this market of moving, you know, huge engineering bits and, you know, bits of cargo. Going forward, I mean, I think all of those sectors are going to continue to grow. But yeah, at the moment, I think our focus has been a lot on pharma this year, just because of, of, of where we are in the pandemic and needing to help, help out people and governments. Mark, let's hope that uh, the wide-body, long-haul passenger flights come back to full play uh, as quickly as possible, and uh, we have the entire access to the belly capacity. But according to you, what would be the criticality of the main deck capacity or the freighters? Will freighters play a critical role going forward for global commerce as well as for global air freight industry? Yeah, well, you, you're preaching to the converted here. We've, as, as an airline, we've, we've had freighters going back, obviously, to our 707 freighters back in the, uh, back in the 70s. Well, we our first aircraft was essentially a freighter as well back in, 
in the late 40s. Look, Hong Kong, it, it remains the biggest international air cargo hub in the world, right? And, and that's, that's not going to go away. And, and, you know, the greater Bay Area in, Hong Kong, in, in, in southern China continues to grow. I think we, we're very much in the freighter game. And if you actually look at freighter demand at the moment for conversions from passenger to freighter, some might argue it's because we've got such an uptick in cargo. I think it's long term. It's here to stay. Cross-border cross trade, right? E-commerce trade that we talked about being $44 billion next year. That's got to be fulfilled. As passenger bellies come back, as passenger flights come back, don't forget passengers are carrying their baggage. There's going to be less room there for cargo. Freighters have got a place to play. And, um, and for us, I think very much we're, we're not concerned about that going forward. Uh, we're very happy with our freighter fleet. And um, yeah, I look forward to, I look forward, as you said, to passengers coming back, some of that freight moving from our cargo only planes back onto our freighters and having the, the balance we had before. But how do you, what, is, what are your observations about a lot of companies wanting to have a freighter, they want to order it today and get it delivered yesterday. That's the kind of demand for freighters, both in terms of the production freighters as well as the converted freighter. We have seen the ocean liners starting new air cargo carriers, placing order for production freighters. Uh, we have also seen the advancement in the in the passenger uh, narrow body aircraft, which are long range, uh, yeah. but giving you a considerably less capacity on the belly for cargo. So, in that context, uh, will freighters really play an important role? I think individual carriers need to think very, very hard about the freighter game. I mean, as I said, you know, for us, it's, it's something that's completely core. Cargo has always been a core business of us, and our geography is such that it will remain a core business. Um, for, for carriers wanting to get into freighters, it's, it is a different game to just, uh, to just carrying cargo as an auxiliary. It's a very much a core, um, a core game. It's, you know, I, hope, I hope people are doing their homework on the, on the future demands beyond just next year and the year after. Because you know, a, a freighter is not just for Christmas, it's, it's for life really, right? And you've got to make sure you use that aircraft uh, to the best of its, its ability. They, they, they don't come cheap, conversions are not cheap. Yeah, I, I, can, I can see the, the frenzy of demand out there. But at the same time, I'm, I'm pretty confident that, that air cargo, um, you know, driven mainly by e-commerce, is, is going to grow over years to come and there'll be room for, for, for new players in the market. Mark, my last question is on the, what are some of the important learnings from the pandemic that you have picked? And also uh, your reflections about the, about the agility and the resilience of the global supply chain. The pandemic exposed uh, the fragility of global supply chains. Yeah, no, look, it did very early on, but I think what's been fascinating is how quickly people people reacted to it. And we've talked about people uh, with carriers bringing in cargo and new planes very quick, uh, converting aircraft, taking seats out. I think we've seen lots of innovations. Um, we've also seen a lot of advancement digitally, whether it's the way in which we connect, communicate, um, and people understand how important it is. We're all um, we're all missing that sort of personal touch in the business. It's been very important in in shipping and cargo for, for many years now. It's the first time we've met in 20 months and you know, I think we've missed that. I think, but however, one of the things that's I think really um, impressed me has been the way in which our people, right? And this, this, I'm talking about Cathay now, but I'm sure it's the same for many of my colleagues in other airlines, the way in which our people um, have reacted in really hard circumstances. And if I think in, in terms of India, you know, Reggie, you were here in, in February this year when we went through that second wave. You know, not once did we stop operating a cargo-only plane. Not once did we stop operating freighter. And this was a time when we had you know, handling people at our airport and our engineers having to really battle very difficult times, either dealing with COVID within their families and not being able to make it, and people standing in. I mean, it's just been incredible the way in which I think our industry has, has, has stood the test of time and really sort of stepped up to the plate. And I think the airline or the air cargo industry has also been a phenomenally important um, way in which we've dealt with this pandemic, obviously the distribution of vaccines. I mean, that's, 
clearly the way out of the pandemic and, and who's been responsible for, for really a huge part of, of fulfilling the needs of getting that to people around the world. It's, it's been air cargo. Mark, thanks so much. Uh, it was such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for uh, making time for talk to us in Cargo Masterminds. Thanks, Reggie. Pleasure as always. That was Mark Such, Regional General Manager for South Asia, Middle East and Africa at Cathay Pacific Airways. That's it from us at Stat Media Group. We bring Cargo Masterminds every Monday. Thanks for tuning in and come back on next Monday for a fresh episode. Have a nice day.